Hello and welcome to the Movies Past and Present Podcast. It's April 16th, 2020, and this is episode 43. I'm your host, Stanford Clark, and I'm podcasting from the crossroads of the West in beautiful Salt Lake City, Utah. Just like my blog, moviespastandpresent.com, I'll be providing recommendations, commentary, and reviews about current and classic cinema. Thanks for tuning in, and let's do this thing. We've got another social distancing episode for you of the podcast today. My sincere hope is that you're all safe and well, and there are lots of movies to watch from home, as you can probably attest to, and hopefully this podcast will give you some more ideas of some things to watch while we are uh, all still apart and hold up in our homes. So first up is is a is an interesting concept, which we're just going to see what's going to happen as as time rolls forward. Um, But uh, since we're not doing a new in theaters section right now, because theaters are closed, this is going to be new on video on demand. And uh, the the one major film to discuss is Trolls World Tour, which is an animated uh, film from DreamWorks Animation. It's a sequel to the 2016 film Trolls. And uh, in an adventure that will take them well beyond what they've known before, Poppy, who's voiced by Anna Kendrick again, and Branch, who's voiced again by Justin Timberlake, discover that they are but one of six different troll tribes scattered over six different lands and devoted to six different kinds of music. Funk, country, techno, classical, pop, and rock. Their world is about to get a lot bigger and a whole lot louder when a member of the hard rock royalty Queen Barb, who is voiced by Rachel Bloom, wants to destroy all other kinds of music to let rock reign supreme. Uh, With the fate of the world at stake, um, all of the other troll tribes um, unify in harmony against Barb, who is looking to upstage them all. So... Uh, that's kind of the plot of Trolls World Tour. But what's interesting, I think, really is is the distribution. So Trolls World Tour was supposed to open in theaters on April 10th. And as we know, um, that wasn't going to happen. So what, what DreamWorks and its parent company, Universal, decided to do was put it uh, on video on demand. And so uh, for, for $19.99, you could watch this movie at home. And uh, supposedly it did very well last weekend. I haven't seen any actual numbers, but uh, supposedly it is the number one title across all major video on demand platforms, which includes Amazon Prime Video, Apple TV, Direct TV, Fandango Now, Google Play, Vudu, Xfinity, and YouTube. Uh, I will put a link in the podcast notes about uh, where you can where you can watch you know, watch this flick or, or get it. Um, but again, it's just on, on all major video on demand platforms. Uh, so, uh, you know, it was interesting what Universal decided to do. It was, of course, just on the verge of its theatrical release when when, when uh, COVID-19 uh, precautions started shutting down movie theaters uh, across the country and, you know, and around the world. And marketing was in full swing. Promotional partnerships were in full swing. And uh, 
you know, of course, merchandising, etc. And so, so Universal and DreamWorks decided to go ahead and 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 release the film, but on video on demand. I also am not sure how well, even even if we weren't dealing with COVID nineteen, I wonder how well this movie would have done in theaters. I mean, it might have been fine, but I think clearly it's gotten a lot more recognition and attention because of video on demand, and also is I mean, truly it's got a captive audience. So. Uh, uh, anyway, so and also, you know, if, if you've got a family of four or, you know, whatever size your family is, you could plug down 20 bucks and everybody can watch this film. So it'd be a lot less than going to the theater uh, if this is a movie that you that you want to see. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens moving forward. If if other studios decide to do this, you know, most studios have pushed out their release dates and uh, uh, films uh i think now the big tent poles are or are in july uh so again it's going to be interesting to see in july we've got uh disney's mulan you know which is their their live action slash cgi remake of of uh of their animated film and uh tenant which is the next film from Christopher Nolan, which looks to be another one of those kind of mind-bending movies uh, that he's known for, and uh, both of those. So anyway, I, I, we'll we'll see what happens, but I think that's kind of what what what's being targeted. So in the meantime, if we'll see if any other studios decided to do one of these video on demand things based on the success of Trolls World Tour. Now that I have some more time at home in the evenings <laughs> that I haven't had in the past, I've I've added another movie watching project to my schedule. Uh, I have been watching science fiction movies that have been in a really cool book that I got uh, from Turner Classic Movies. Uh, it's called Must See Sci-Fi. So these are 50 science fiction movies, and I've been watching one of those a week, and that's been fun. I've been putting stuff on my blog and on, on social media if, uh, if you're interested in, in following along. And I might do another some, some more content about that on a future podcast. But what I've added, I've decided to add um, watching all 24 official James Bond films. Now, speaking of moving a film uh, forward in the schedule, so... Also this month, we were scheduled to get the 25th James Bond film called No Time to Die. And it's star starring Daniel Craig again. He's back. He's back again as James Bond. And uh, it was, you know, of course, the film I was looking forward to because I think James Bond films can be uh, can be great uh, or, or at least, you know, entertaining. <laughs> the uh, uh, That film... Again, because of because of the pandemic and, and and all the uncertainty, it got pushed out into November of 2020, and the release date will vary, I think, by country. But uh, but November November 2020 is is the release date, and so 
I just thought, you know, wouldn't that be fun if, if uh, maybe I, I've got some time now, and again, hopefully the social distancing rules will, will be lifted here, but still, uh, I've got some time now to watch uh, 24 of these official James Bond films. Now, I'm calling them the official films. It's the films that are produced by um, Eon Productions and by the Broccoli family. So the most the ones you see um, early on are Albert R. Broccoli, and uh, right now uh, you'll see Barbara Broccoli, who's who's his daughter, and uh, also uh, right now to Barbara Broccoli's half brother, Michael G. Wilson, is 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 producing these as well. So anyway, you look for the Broccoli name, and you know this is this is. You know, a quote-unquote official James Bond film. There've been a couple others, and again, I've I've seen these. I'm not I'm not going to include them in my watch list, but I'm just telling you just for 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 information's sake. Um, in 1967, there was a, a a parody or a satire film released uh, of Casino Royale, which is uh, the first James Bond book that Ian Fleming wrote. And this film, this satire film in 1967, uh, starred David Niven as James Bond, and and uh, it's a crazy, it's a crazy comedy. I mean, you know, clearly it's a parody. It's a 1960s style, you know, very, uh, very reflective of the time period that it was made. Um, but but I'm not gonna include it. One other interesting note I realized though too, in 1954, there was a a television adaptation of Casino Royale that was done in in uh, the UK, and I, I've never seen that one. Uh, I don't know if it's if it's widely available, and I haven't really searched that hard. But that but anyway, uh, I'm not watching that one either. As far as this watch list, the other film that's that's quote unquote not official is is a 1983's Never Say Never Again. Which is basically just a remake of Thunderball. Uh, it stars uh, Sean Connery, and and you know the title was really tongue in cheek because uh, Sean Connery said he never played James Bond again, but but he he came back he came back for this one, and I think it's widely panned as 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 also not 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 a very good film, but also uh, this was not produced by the, by the Broccoli family. There was some weird things going on with the rights of that story and so uh, this film ended up getting getting made so uh, these 24 films that i'm going to watch i'll have links about this info on 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 the podcast notes on my blog but uh, i'm going to watch them in chronological order and, and i'm i'm excited i've seen I've, I've seen them all it will be fun to revisit them and then and then and then fun this november when when finally uh the 25th Bond film, No Time to Die, gets released. So first up, uh, the very first Bond film that was made was Dr. No in 1962. Again, produced by um, Albert R. Broccoli and his business partner, Harry Saltzman. Uh, they had formed E.O.N., so E-O-N, Productions. And uh, again, that's those are the names that you want to look for uh, uh, on these films. And this is just this is just pure uh, classic stuff. It's 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 based on a 1958 novel written by Ian Fleming, uh, 
and it just has it's it's really just the classic James Bond film. It really sets the tone for for all films all films going forward. It's directed by Terrence Young, and uh, of course stars Sean Connery. Uh, it also stars uh, Ursula Andress. She's she's uh, the uh, one of the Bond girls. Is kind of the major Bond girl, even though. Uh, there are, are are plenty of exotic women in Doctor No. Ursula Andress is kind of the, the the main one, although she doesn't really join in uh, the party until um, halfway into the film. Uh, she plays the character Honey Rider, uh, but uh, and then uh, Jack Lord, the actor Jack actor Jack Lord, you might remember from the original Hawaii Five O television series. He plays the CIA operative uh, Felix Leiter, who's uh, who's a regular, you know, in in uh, that character is, is a regular in in in, uh, in the James Bond pantheon. But uh, I just had a blast watching Doctor No. Uh, I watched it. Uh, I rented it on Apple iTunes, and I think again there there are a lot of uh, options of ways to see this film. This one, that one was just convenient, and I thought. Uh, it was a decent price too, and uh, just thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, it's just got all the classic stuff that you'd you'd expect in a, in a James Bond in a James Bond film. It's got the action, the cool cars, uh, of course, the, you know, the Bond girls, uh, all the all the uh, uh, you know James Bond dialogue <laughs> that goes on, and then of course the you know the the classic. James Bond theme music, uh, you know the, the the theme is credited to to Monty Norman. Uh, John Barry did the soundtrack for Doctor No, and I think there's been a whole lot of legal stuff from what I did uh, with some of my research um, about this. But but Monty Norman is the one who's who I guess is who the courts decided was the one who's who penned the uh, very iconic uh, James Bond theme. And uh, anyway, uh, just just as also just an, as I thought an interesting side note, Ian Fleming, who's the author of, of these James Bond, uh, uh, you know, characters and stories, he was an English author, journalist, and a naval intelligence officer. He wrote twelve novels and two short story collections that feature Agent 007, aka James Bond. Um, just FYI, Doctor No was book number six that that uh, Ian Fleming wrote. I'll have a I'll put a link on the podcast notes to uh, Ian Fle- the the the, uh, the the estate of Ian Fleming has an interesting website uh, you, you you can check out and uh, I think there's still a lot of uh, of respect, of course, paid to him and 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 uh, you know I think he must have been a very interesting character himself he also ian fleming also wrote believe it or not this the uh the story chitty chitty bang bang which you know got turned into uh a classic children's film as well with with dick van dyke uh, <laughs> just again ian fleming trivia right um but still uh dr no definitely recommend and 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 definitely fun uh fun to watch particularly if you like if you like uh, this genre. 
the Disney Plus streaming service. It's really been a huge gift to me and to my family, particularly during the social distancing time, uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, with my family kind of spread out both across uh, Salt Lake City, where I live, but also just across the country, uh, we've had some really fun virtual family movie nights. We all have Disney Plus, and basically we we uh, get together at the same time and we push we, we pick a movie on Disney Plus and we all press play uh, again at the same time and and then watch the movie. Maybe we'll send a few text messages here and there and then and then we'll have a FaceTime uh, debrief after the film. And it has been a fun and comforting thing for my family. So, of course, there are big titles on Disney Plus that we're all familiar with. Uh, of course, like Frozen 2, um, Pixar's Onward got got moved to Disney Plus pretty quickly. Uh, again, just because of the, uh, the uh, pandemic. Um, and, and I think those are, those are films that a lot of people have been watching. You know, we watch them <laughs> in my family. Um, but I thought it might be fun to create a list of some more obscure titles that you might not have seen or are aware that are available on the Disney Plus service. So here's my list of 10 unusual movies on Disney Plus, and this list is in chronological order. So uh, I'll give them the num a number, but again, those are just because I'm, I'm, there are 10 films, and not so much that I, I'm not ranking them at all. I just think they're all uh, unusual films, and may maybe films if they haven't seen, if you haven't seen them, you might you might want to consider adding them into you into the mix. So. First off is, is the film Saludos Amigos, which is from 1943. This is from Walt Disney Animation Studios. And this is really a, a, an interesting film. Uh, it's a it's one of the, what they call the package films. Uh, and also, I guess technically more, technically more, a good neighbor film. So the U.S. government reached out to to Walt Disney and asked him if... if, if uh, his company could help out with some goodwill, uh, I guess you know, missions to Latin America, or just a, just a just a kind of a reaching out to to our Latin American neighbors. Of course, the U.S. government was 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 uh, very concerned about the spread of communism, and was hoping that if 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 uh, the U.S. could be good neighbors and, and assist out with assist with Latin America uh, leaders and with with the people that that could that could uh, help those 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 countries. So, um, Saludos Amigos is one of the films that's that, that is based on on this good neighbor policy. It's basically a series of shorts, but also it it has some some footage of this trip that Walt Disney took with some of his artists and some of his team to different countries in South America as they were participating in this in this good neighbor uh, initiative and so it's a short film it's got uh, again these 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 different shorts that are set in different places one of them is Donald Duck visits Lake Titicaca in in Peru uh, another one is is Goofy becomes a a, a gaucho. Uh, another one is about a little airplane that's got to travel. Uh, that, that I believe is set in in, in Chile. Uh, anyway, it's 
uh, I think you know terrific Disney animation, interesting art and, and an interesting concept. Now there's there was a, there was an article published. Uh, it's it, it's online, but it was in association with with the uh, with the Smithsonian's American History Museum uh, that's talking about basically Donald Duck as a diplomat <laughs> to Latin America. I'll put a link to that on my blog if you want to learn more about this whole good neighbor stuff. It it gives you some interesting information. So Salidos Amigos from 1943, definitely worth checking out. The second film, just FYI, the second film in this Good Neighbor uh, series uh, was the Three Caballeros, and you might be familiar with both the, uh, the you know the characters. Of course, Donald Duck is one of them, um, but. And then there's uh, Panchito, the uh, the, the uh, rooster from Mexico, and Jose uh, Carioca, who's who's uh, the bird from Brazil. But the um, I, I don't like the three caballeros as much, and and uh, again the, the animation is interesting and the history of it's interesting. But I think as far as just a purely entertaining film, I think Saludos Amigos is terrific. Um, number two on my list is. 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, which was made in 1954. This is based on the classic adventure novel of the same title, published by Jules Verne, you know, the French author. Um, this book was published The book was published in 1871. Um, but this this uh, Disney production of the film, uh, it was filmed in, in uh, Cinescope, so, you know, widescreen. And I got to tell you, it holds up incredibly well. I watched this, believe it or not, for my Turner Classic Movie Musty Sci-Fi viewing project uh, recently. I had seen it uh, before, but it was really fun to rewatch it. And this... Uh, I, I'm, I'm just surprised of, of what a solid action film it is. You know, sometimes these... these uh, just some of these older films, the pacing is different, and just, you know, the filmmaking style is a little different. And, and also, the special effects... Maybe you're a little cheesy and don't hold up that well, but this one holds up remarkably well and and so well crafted. I think Disney spent a lot of money on it from from what I've read too. It was a big financial risk, but it paid off. Uh, I've also got big stars in it. It stars James Mason as as the as the uh, crazy <laughs> Captain Nemo. Uh, Kurt Douglas is in it. Peter Laurie's in it, and uh, and. A giant squid. That's <laughs> awesome. So they filmed a lot. They filmed, you know, some of it on location, but it's got this, you know, wonderful production design. And some of it was was filmed actually on the Walt Disney Studio lot, lot in Burbank, California. Uh, on one of the tours I've taken to the studio, they showed us the soundstage where they filmed some of these things from Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. Um, the soundstage had a big water tank that they, uh, you know, that they could pull the, pull the floor up and then uh, fill with water. So they, they, they use that for, for some of it too. But if you haven't seen 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea or if it's been a while since you've seen it, I recommend revisiting it. Next up is a title that's pretty obscure, but it's an interesting film. It's called The Adventures of Bullwhip Griffin. It's from 1967. So this is based on a children's novel that was published in 1963. Um, the novel was called By the Great Horn Spoon, um, written by Sid Fleischman. This this is just a, a really, a, again, kind of a classic Disney 
uh, comedy. Uh, it's set during the Gold Rush period, and and uh, it's about a, a little boy who, well, I guess you know, ten, twelve year old boy, maybe he's a little older, but uh, his family fortune's waning, and he decides he's going to go go west and, and see if he can uh, get some gold with with the with the whole gold rush uh, craze going on, and his family butler uh uh who is played by roddy mcdowell uh in the film uh joins him and and uh he's he's a uh bullwhip or i guess the nickname of bullwhip (laughs) from some events that happen in the film uh the the production design on this is interesting as well as it's got a really fun uh use of of it's opening credits and, and, and interstitials that are put in to help with the narrative. They were designed by the Disney animator and artist Ward Kimball, who had a very distinct style, uh, both artistically and with his sense of humor. And he, uh, you know, Ward Kimball, I think you, you would, you definitely recognize, uh, some of his work, but he created some of the more twisted stuff in, in the Alice in Wonderland, for example. Uh, but anyway, I think that, uh, it, as in Disney's animated version of Alice in Wonderland from from uh, 1951. But anyway, definitely worth worth checking out. I mean, it's it's not necessarily the most dynamic movie, but I I enjoyed it for 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 what it was, and I particularly liked the uh, the. Uh, Art that that Ward Ward Kimball put in it almost is like a Disneyfied version of some Monty Python type stuff. Let's, let's that's I think maybe one way to to possibly describe some of that Ward Kimball work he did for the film. Next up is is the film Tron from 1982. Now I I love Tron. I mean that was a movie uh, of my childhood that I just adored. And seeing that on the big screen was, you know, so memorable and just totally blew my mind. And it was actually just, it was the first film I decided to watch on Disney Plus when when, uh, when the service launched last year. Just just out of sentimental reasons and, and I just think it's a really cool film. Uh, again, Tron's narrative isn't maybe its strongest suit, but the visuals in this film are such a knockout. They were so groundbreaking and I think it was just a very influential film, and and, and again, if it's something that you haven't actually watched, I think I, I definitely suggest checking it out. You know, you know, it, it um, finally they, they made a sequel of it that came out in 2010 called Tron Legacy, and that also is on Disney Plus, and it's a very cool film too because again, with the advances you know made in in in, in computer technology it you know they took it full advantage of it but it's still it's hard to beat uh some of these some of these uh, effects in 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 the original tron also what's interesting i think about tron is that the the when they go into the computer world the actors are all wearing these kind of funky white uh, suits and they were filmed on a black background, uh, of course, you know, on the Walt Disney Studios lot. And then all of all of those films, all of that was 
touched up by hand to give it its really distinctive style. And I think it was a very expensive and labor-intensive process that, that just that uh, I think was a real burden on the studio. But but you just you just can't beat this really unique look of of this film. So uh, I definitely would help you that you check out Tron. Okay, uh, number five is the film Splash from 1984. Now, at, at this time, the Walt Disney Company uh, decided to uh, create a label called Touchstone Films, and uh, it's it really was basically an adult label, uh, or you know, a film films for grown-ups that were not necessarily as family friendly as the Disney brand, but still made by Disney so they could, uh, again, they just help, help them make money and, 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 and make some different kinds of films. So the very first film that came out under this Touchstone Films label was Splash. And it's directed by Ron Howard and stars Tom Hanks and Daryl Hannah. Daryl Hannah plays a mermaid and, and, uh, who falls in love with Tom Hanks. She actually had rescued the, Tom Hanks' character as a little boy. And then, and then, uh, they get, they get reunited later in this film. It's, it's, so it's a, it's a romantic comedy. Uh, it's, it's also kind of like, you know, E.T. that, uh, you know, the mermaid gets captured and there's all sorts of drama kind of associated with that. Cause, um, uh, you know, of course we don't want the mermaid to die, but all the evil scientist people <laughs> seem to. <laughs> but uh, it's it's uh, got John Candy in it and Eugene Levy, and uh, you know some. I mean, some some adult themes. Is is it's definitely not. It's definitely probably not necessarily for the entire family. You'll have to make you'll have to make a call on that. Uh, I also had read, and I didn't notice this because I recently rewatched Flash on, you know, on Disney Plus. But I guess there was a scene in the in the in the original film where uh, Daryl Hannah's got a her, her a bare butt, and what they decided to do to put it on Disney Plus was add some computer generated. They just add, they added length to her already long blonde hair to cover up her butt. <laughs> so. I haven't gone back to try to find that, but that kind of cracked me up. But again, you know, kudos to them for adding the film to Disney Plus and, and to want to keep it, still keep Disney Plus, you know, family friendly. So this next film, though, <laughs> is it really, I think, kind of pushes the limits on Disney Plus. Um, it's Big Business from 1998. So speaking of Touchstone Pictures, uh, this 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 movie is is a touchstone title, and it stars Bette Midler and Lily Tomlin. Now, Bette Midler, believe it or not, if you know this part about it in Disney history, Bette Midler um, really played a huge role in boosting up the profits of the Walt Disney Studios in 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 the nineteen eighties, uh, with a couple of touchstone comedies. Um, first up was Down and Out, Beverly Hills from nineteen eighty six, and that's a really interesting film. That is definitely not on Disney Plus. <laughs> but if you've never seen it, you might want to try to find that or rent it. It's it's interesting. But also in 1986 was released the comedy Ruthless People, 
And I don't know if you've ever seen Ruthless People. For me, it's a total guilty pleasure, and it is very R-rated. And so, you know, again, not family-friendly, but it is so funny. Um, Danny DeVito and Bette Midler in this film, they're married, and Danny DeVito cannot stand, you know, the Danny DeVito character cannot stand his wife. So he arranges for her kidnapping. And so Bette Midler gets kidnapped by these hapless people played by judge reinhold and helen slater and uh and it's i don't know it's it's so it's so, it's just hilarious so anyway i digress but on disney plus is big business uh made in 1988 again starring bet midler and lily tomlin and what it's about is bet midler and lily tomlin uh play a set of twins and that were switched at birth so so uh uh, one of the, one set of twins was is raised out in the country, and then this other set of twins is raised in New York City, and they run they run a family business, and so uh, you know Bette Midler kind of is the type A character, um, driven, mean, you know, and uh, uh, well, I guess I should say that I mean they kind of they kind of vary depending on. If you're in the city with the city twins or the country twins, but regardless, uh, it's a pretty silly comedy. Some some adult situations in it that that uh, again might not necessarily work for for all family members depending on on ages and and and, and tastes. But but uh, I thought it was fun funny to watch watch and and uh, again something that you might not necessarily consider. Uh, watching on disney plus okay next up uh number seven is is the rocketeer from 1991 this is a action film uh it's disney branded and you know i think pretty disney friendly although there's there's some violence in it but um it's directed by joe johnson and it's a flawed but really fun film it's got a very elaborate plot uh, it's set during world war ii and the nazis are after this this rocket pack technology, uh, you know, being able to put, uh, being able to ha- make help people fly, you know, be able to put it on this pack that that allows that allows people to fly, uh, and and uh, the Nazis think they'll be able to use it to invade other countries, and particularly the United States, but it gets in the hand of this this uh, uh, aviation team uh, based in California. And so there's, they've got all this stuff going on. There's this Hollywood theme, and then this aviation thing, and then the Nazi thing, and then there's these gangsters involved. <laughs> there's a lot going on, and I think the plot is a bit... It gets a little carried away. I think there's a little too much going on. I mean, just as far as just all these different, different uh, characters uh, involved. But still, the visuals are great. The action is great. Um, general, a very young Jennifer Connelly is in it. She's lovely. She plays the romantic lead. Timothy Dalton's in it. He plays the bad guy. Um, anyway, uh, uh, Alan Arkin also has a role in it. So the Rocketeer is definitely worth checking out. If it's, if it's a movie that you haven't seen or if it's been a while, uh, I think you should should add it to your list. Number eight is the film Sister Act. Now this is this all is also a Touchstone film. So you know, again, a Disney film, but made for made for grownups. Uh, I just think this movie is so funny. I'm not a huge Whoopi Goldberg uh, fan, but she, she just aces it in this film. 
you know, it's about a it's about a uh, a woman who uh, who gets put in a, in the witness protection program, and she's a she's a lounge singer in Reno, Reno, Nevada, and they put her in a convent <laughs> as a nun, and so she uh, kind of mixes things up with with uh, the uh, church choir uh, repertory, and. And then there's, there's, of course, some action involved in it when the gangsters find out where she is. But uh, it's a terrific film. Now, I understand that a lot of different people kind of helped with the script. Um, an uncredited script doctor of, of this film is Carrie Fisher. And, and uh, you know, it shows, I think her, her humor really shows in this, in this movie. Uh, I, I like Sister Act a lot. So, so that's another one. Uh, number nine is, is a really unique film called the straight story and it's you know it's a family drama uh again made in 1999 and it's directed by david lynch of all people you know david lynch is kind of this 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 avant-garde mostly kind of weird and, and disturbing <laughs> director i mean for, for lack of a better term i know that he's got a, he's got a real following and and he makes he i think his films are very interesting but this one you wouldn't even you wouldn't even put the you know we didn't even think that david lynch had directed this film it's, it's it's so unique but it's about an older man who's i mean who's like well into his 70s and and he he's his estranged brother who lives across the country is dying and he decides he wants to go reconcile with him and he um the only way to, that he can get there is via his tractor <laughs> he just drives his tractor across the country to try to go meet up with his estranged brother, but you know it's it's um, it's a poignant film, a beautiful film, uh, a quiet and gentle film, and not necessarily one you would ever again put with director David Lynch, um, and also might just not be one that, that really stands out as far as when you're just trying to find something to watch. So so uh, definitely try check out the, the the straight story. My final. Uh, list of these ten is is uh, another one a book ending from Walt Disney Animation Studios. It's Atlantis: The Lost Empire from two thousand one. Now you're probably thinking, you know, dude, well, you know, what in the world? This this movie is not a good one. And I wouldn't necessarily disagree with you. I recently rewatched it, and for me, it's just a total guilty pleasure. Now this film is so flawed, uh, so many problems. I've got so many problems with the story in this film, but. Uh, visually, I think it's such a knockout. The animators uh, worked with comic book artist Mike Mignola, and Mike Mignola, uh, he's he's mostly known for creating the character Hellboy, but I don't know if you've ever seen any of his original art. But he's got his 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 artistic style is, of course, his his own very very unique. But they. If you look at Atlantis, it doesn't necessarily look like like your your traditional kind of Disney uh, film. The animation is gorgeous, as you know, is a hallmark of, of of Walt Disney Animation Studios. But the character designs are really different, very angular, uh, very you know, very distinctive. The backgrounds are all um, unique and quite epic in scale, and and uh, uh, I really love Atlantis for the art, and I frankly kind of just love it for the potential. Um, I mean, 
it's it's kind of hard to watch a film and just realize what it maybe could have been but still this film has so many satisfying elements that 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 i think it might be worth checking at least checking out and and uh, seeing what you think now there was a sequel made of this film uh atlantis 2 milo's return and it was during those horrible uh i refer to them as the cheap quill years because all these sequels were made on the cheap and they're just the animation is dreadful and maybe they brought in some of the original vocal talent but typically the stories aren't aren't, aren't great and um i i find them really hard to watch so i just i just steer clear of the majority of those of those cheap quills you know this is the same group that brought out cinderella 2 and cinderella 3 again like we needed those um at all but still um atlantis from from atlantis the lost empire from 2001 total guilty pleasure and maybe it might provide some some uh enjoyment for you or some distraction again just think of it like you're watching a painting <laughs> rather than <laughs> really being invested in in a story that makes makes sense or that provides a, a lot of enjoyment <music> Okay, just a, just a few more movies to talk about as far or movie options, I should say, uh, that you should that you can consider while while uh, you're social distancing. Lionsgate Movie Studio is, is doing an interesting thing where they're going to be showing a free movie online for the next four Fridays. So uh, I believe that they're going to be doing this either on their website or on YouTube. I will put a link to it in the podcast notes, but. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be hosted by actress Jamie Lee Curtis, and it's going to be benefiting the Will Rogers Motion Picture Pioneers Foundation, which is dedicated to helping people who work in the motion picture industry. And this foundation is currently providing financial assistance to theater employees furloughed by the COVID nineteen crisis. Um, but the the four movies that they're going to be showing for free online over the next four Fridays, starting uh, tomorrow, April seventeenth, uh, it's The Hunger Games. Then. On April 24th is Dirty Dancing, you know, the classic with Patrick Swayze and Jennifer Grey. Nobody puts baby in the corner. Uh, May 1st is going to be La La Land. Uh, And then on May 8th, John Wick. So a variety of films and genres. And again, maybe not all of them are going to work for uh, the family. (laughs) I think John Wick is one of those. But um, uh, also the Hunger Games, really. But anyway... Uh, I'll have a link to this on the podcast notes on my blog. And then also a quick reminder that this weekend, actually starting today, April 16th through April 19th, it's the Turner Classic Movies Classic Film Festival Special Home Edition. So this weekend I was scheduled to be in California. I was going to you know, go to the next uh, edition of the Turner Classic Movie Classic Film Festival, which they do in Hollywood every year. And of course that has been canceled, but uh, those... Great folks at Turner Classic Movies really turned lemons into lemonade and decided that they were just going to make a home festival available to anyone who's, who who gets the Turner Classic Movies uh, cable network. And and they're just having movies. And, and, and uh, all the movies that they are showing 
have some kind of significance to past film festivals. This would have been the 11th. I guess it is, you know, it's still a film festival. It's the 11th uh, iteration of, of their classic film festival. And again, again, this is this one that they're doing at home. Um, I'll have links to the uh, the schedule on in the podcast notes, but they're, they're showing a lot of stuff. The opening film is going to be uh, A Star is Born. It's the 1954 edition with Judy Garland and James Mason. The reason that they're showing this is because actually that was the film... They, they, they had a newly restored version of, of, of A Star is Born that opened up the very first Turner Classic Movies Classic Film Festival in 2010. And then uh, there's just shown any number of things and some interesting interviews. I think they're going to be very active on, on social media uh, too. And so I'll, I'll put links to their social media channels uh, also in the, in, in the podcast notes. It was fun. So one of the, one of the things you get when you actually go to the film festival is they give you a, you, you, you get a, your badge, it's your, your credential that you wear around your neck and that it's what gets you into the screenings, you know, and then gets you into the right queue, etc. But they sent out, um, they sent out badges yesterday, uh, via on their social media channels. Uh, and I'll get, I'll have a link to it so you can get your own if you want to play along. But, uh, instead of the different kind of badges, like the classic badge or the, you know the, the the essentials or the different ones that they that they that they were selling. It's where you're going to be watching the film festival from home. You know, bedroom, living room, <laughs> office, den. You know, anyway, it. Uh, I thought that was that was a great a great idea, and I think that we're in for a special weekend for those of us who love Turner Classic Movies in the end. And and uh, we're feeling sad that we can't go, but I'm glad that we'll be able to do something. And again. Be able to enjoy movies together while while uh, uh, we're not able to to be physically together. Well, that does it for this episode of the Movies Past and Present podcast. Again, links and more information about all the movies discussed in today's podcast can be found in the podcast notes on my blog at moviespastandpresent.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And I hope that watching some great movies will bring you peace and comfort this week. Be safe out there, and thanks again.